Rosemary. I'm 32 and in February I'll be 33 just like Jesus. <gasps> Jesus. Ooh. Jesus died at 33. I know. He was mad for the weights as well. <laughs> just like Jesus, Rosemary. You're just like Jesus. He could lift a cross. He could. Uh, <laughs> And welcome to the first episode of Girls With Goals. My name is Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio journalist, blogger, sometime comedian and personal trainer Rosemary McCabe and writer, actor, full-time comedian Joanne McNally. <laughs> Ladies, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for coming in for the first episode. So we have this game that we like to play in case our readers or our listeners don't know who you are. So it's called Six Words or Less. This isn't planned at all. Go, Rosemary. Personal trainer... Ish, like fighting online. Ooh. Ish. Does ish well, count because, as a word? Because I've just, yeah, I think ish is kind of totally. Okay. Well, it was six words or less either, you know, even if it's not a word. Okay, so, okay, I got it. Joanne? Paranoid. <laughs> or always checking my braces for food, <laughs> which is what I am doing. Do you have braces? Yeah. Right on now? The, on the lower. I have the Invisibilia ones. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I think that's a different podcast. My mate is, Oh, you're right. <laughs> no, there's Invisibilia braces. Invisalign. Invisalign. So, Rosemary, since we last spoke, you have become a full-time personal trainer. I have become a full-time personal trainer. Congratulations. I've like, come out of my egg like the little raptors in Jurassic Park. Okay. But in you're a personal a, trainery way. You have a, you're wearing a, a, a personal trainery top. Nice. Leggings. Mm-hmm. That's actually the best thing about being a personal trainer. You get to wear leggings all the time. So it's athleisure wear is just it what you wear. so comfortable. Right. I'm so happy. So how long have you been a personal trainer? For approximately two hours. <laughs> Woo! You, so, did you have your first one this morning? Well, so I had my first two clients this morning. I got my confirmation that I was like that I'd officially passed yeah. on Friday, and then my insurance kicked in from this morning, and I had my first two clients this morning. So, so how this did is it go? Day one. Were you nervous? Uh, no, because I'd been doing a few little taster sessions, so I've been doing kind of like uh, sessions with friends, yeah. and I've been shadowing a lot of the trainers in Lyft, and I'm also like really cocky, okay, mm. I, you know, personality wise. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of good at sassy. No, well, you know, I'm. Kind of good I don't at see that. <laughs> so I well, one of one of my friends' dads told me one time, you know, in that real kind of backhanded compliment way, he was like, "You're a very good bullshitter, aren't you?" And I was like, mm, "Yeah, but I like to think I know what I'm talking about." Also, that's an amazing skill that I wish I had more of. Bullshitting. Yeah, more like kind of faking it till you make it. Not oh. that I'm saying. I mean, I know you're qualified now. I'm not suggesting no, you're but faking I mean, it. No, but I mean, like, I still am doing sessions, going, "Oh my god, I have no clue what I'm doing." So I'm like, yes. pretend, 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 pretend. So you're a personal trainer now. You're not going to be blogging anymore at all. Is that it? No, I'll probably still keep um, blogging. But basically, I want to go back to like blogging before you could make a living from it. When I just blogged, when I had something that was annoying me or something that I really wanted to write about. Yeah. And so I could just write for pleasure. Okay. Completely. So maybe it'll be like once a month. Yeah. I'll go, you know what? I really want to write something down because I still love writing and I like, you know, that that kind of form of expression. And I'm kind of talking to a friend of mine about doing some wellness stuff. So yeah. like I probably will keep writing, but and I mean, you not still, to make money. You'll probably still get the odd troll because I saw since the last time we spoke as well, you were trolled in a pretty big way. <gasps> Aren't you? Oh, but what, the balloons. Oh, the balloons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that had actually, yeah. So, like a couple of months ago, um, I woke up one morning at, <clears throat> I think it was like 12 o'clock that I finally went out the front door, which makes the story worse. And somebody had tied balloons to my front door that said, uh, You're a miserable owl bitch. Can I say bitch? Should I say yeah, you're you a miserable owl beep. Mm. And uh, <laughs> you're a thalidomide looking gal bag. 
Which I had to explain to my boyfriend what thalidomide was because he's only young. Okay. So he was like, what does this mean? I was like, oh, well, okay, I'll explain to you. Um, yeah, I used to think it was, I, I referred to it as a, a thamaldehyde baby once. <laughs> What formaldehyde is? Like <clears throat> a, it's a formaldehyde is a poison. Yeah, I thought that's that was used a in chemical. Like nail polish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a chemical. Yeah. And thalidomide was a drug given to pregnant women to stop morning sickness. Yeah, wasn't it? in but the sixties or seventies, but it ended up uh, producing children with severe deformities. Yeah, your trolling stories are the best trolling sorry, like, stories. What did you do straight after you saw the balloons? Did you take them down? Oh my god, I took them in immediately. Did you take pictures? Uh, yeah, of course. First, I took pictures of them. I started crying. Yeah. Uh, Stephen was like, oh, like this isn't that big a deal. And I was like, oh my God, who, like they they, they, they know where I live. Yeah. Like who would do this? And then I was also like, oh my God, these have been there. How long have these been there for? Because like how many of my neighbours have seen them? <laughs> and walked past she and gone, finally, what does that say? It must be her birthday. Oh wait, yeah, no. no. These are, these are mean. Um, and then I rang the guards and I yeah. had this really embarrassing conversation where I was like, um, I'm just, I'm just trying to report something. It's a bit weird. And I was, I was kind of crying. I was like, it's a bit strange. I just woke up and there these these balloons on my door and the guard was obviously like what the who is this person and I explained it to him and I said you know I'm a blogger and, and I woke up and I saw these balloons on my door and you know they just blah 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 and he went sorry what has you being a blogger got to do with anything <laughs> and I was like oh I just because I have an online profile oh god and then he was like listen we're really really busy so we're not going to get anyone to send out to you but if you want to come and make a statement you can yeah <clears throat> I'm probably going to get trolled for saying this but I've never been trolled Oh, you're definitely. I know. So what? I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I lie. I remember when I got the Republic gig. um, Someone added me. I got this tweet saying, "Joe Joe McNally, as as funny as a I don't know something that's not funny." Yeah. And uh, I went into the account, and the account was just set up. Sorry, what am I talking about? I have been trialed. This is so long ago. Though. Had just been set up to to send you that tweet. Yeah, but they but it was the fir- it was the first one they'd added me at. So they'd done like twelve tweets, but they'd all only, about you, all about me. Thank you. But they'd only <laughs> thought at me in the last one. So I just went, oh, block, grant, and I've never thought about it again. I like that shit doesn't bother me. Sorry, doesn't bother. It, me. I thought it didn't bother me, and it actually does bother me. I mean, I wasn't trolled, but there's a girl in the office who's hilarious, and she uh, she has a big following on. Twitter and she commented on something that I tweeted and it was really really funny but at the same time I was checking it for the whole day because I was like everybody's slagging me online yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does kind of get you a little bit um, I don't mind actually when people set up accounts right in specifically order to, to tweet you yeah. about something that you've said or done I'm like you're an absolute loser mm. but it's more so like I have one person I suspect who set up a series of these accounts probably on a fortnightly basis to tweet me on on a theme of uh, I wrote a piece about sexual assault and basically this is kind of what they tweet me about the whole right. time and it's I'm pretty positive it's the same person and that kind of bothers me yeah. not because I'm like I'm annoyed at the one thing that you're saying but it's like why do you hate me so much that you're going out of your way to create these accounts over and over and over and over again like you know what are you trying to achieve yeah you're way more issue led in what you talk like my I get trolled either you're not funny that, like yeah, that's yeah, literally and I'm like, like whatever. whatever okay yeah. grand move on with your life yeah. the other thing that happens to me is I get if I do talk shows um, when I did the Tommy Tiernan show and I think it happened after the late late I get accent shamed oh no <laughs> I get so, accent shamed all the time yeah grand. so it's this and it's men it's always men middle, men in their 40s or 50s because I remember after the Tommy show I started clicking into their accounts it's about I can't stand her accent la 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 and I remember listening to another podcast about it and they were saying that 
men get uncomfortable if there's a woman kind of kind of offering her opinion on something. Yeah. They need to undermine you, but they don't know how. So they'll choose whatever way they can. And so this so, is the one thing they feel that they can get at you with. If, so if you're if you're overweight, they'll go for your weight yeah, yeah. or whatever they feel your weakness is. And with me at the time, um, and still to this day, I know I have you know a unique accent. It's very Southside, blah blah blah. So they go for my accent. So they undermine me by slagging my accent. It's not cool, yeah. So Joanne, um, you're getting into the mother game in a big way, which we're going to be talking about. That sounds like I'm having a baby. <laughs> Does sound like I'm having a baby? No, no, I'm going into baby. the mother game in the biggest way possible. <laughs> I'm going into the hood, the motherhood. We're going to talk about that later on, but we ran a story on her.ie there last week, and Serena Williams just had a baby. She named her Alexis Olympia. No pressure. <laughs> That's a pretty pretty calm name as like celebrity standards. It sounds like yes. a kind of a god though, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's better than calling your kid Satsuma or whatever the hell they're doing these days. Press. I, I think it sounds like a shoe designer. Well, Alexis like Olympia. Charlotte Olympia is a shoe designer, but it sounds like a shoe or handbag Alexis designer. Olympia. Alexis Olympia. Oh, well, this she, is Alexis Olympia. It's a really cute baby. And she posted um, an open letter to her mother on Reddit, her baby daddy started Reddit by the way did you know yeah, that? yeah I did yes this baby's set because the two life. of them don't have enough money yeah I know so basically she wrote this open letter to her own mother and uh, just talking about how tough her mother has had it and now she realises because she has a daughter so for the last 15 years how she's been body shamed in the media and stuff like that she's been called a man she's been accused of taking drugs everything like this and she's basically said ma'am I don't know how you've been able to cope with this Mm. as a mother and I just thought it was a really interesting kind of angle on motherhood as opposed to writing an open letter to my daughter she wrote to her mother which I thought was kind of cool she obviously feels so protective over her Mm. yeah child now so she's saying how can my mother cope with me getting slagged off yeah. so much but know, I mean really I suppose hard. she's highlighting like the problems that she's faced in the media and it's to do with her body and it's kind of the same thing that you were just saying there Joanne about men undermining women in the media and trying to kind of pick at something like she's definitely one of the most incredible athletes that we've ever had on the planet it doesn't matter about her gender and yet people define her by the fact that her arms are really big or the fact that her ass is kind of bigger than another tennis player's ass or something like that yeah. it's constantly brought back to her body and I just don't know when that started and if it's ever going to change well, she's like, well I think for sorry. Serena there are two there are two aspects there's there's the race aspect so a lot of the time when she's talked about in the media she'll be talked about she'll be compared to an animal Yeah, she'll be talked about as being like wild as mm. being you know this kind of fearsome athlete in the way that say Maria Sharapova is never really described because she's this like quite blonde model look Yeah, and then there's also obviously the fact that she's a woman in sport mm-hmm. when it is really difficult to I suppose reconcile the fact that you've you've grown up in a culture that's taught you that you need to be considered feminine in order to be accepted in order to be beautiful mm-hmm. but at the same time being sporty a lot of the things that you do in sports when you build muscle when you you know you get powerful are considered traditionally masculine traits yeah. like there was a really interesting piece I think it was in either the New York Times or time.com and they were talking about um Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams and a whole lot of different tennis players were interviewed about lifting weights. Yeah. And I think it was Maria Sharapova was saying, I don't lift weights at all because I don't because I don't want to look bulky. And her coach was talking about it and saying, Yeah, you know, we really try very hard to keep her looking very feminine. What? And you're kind of going, What? Like, A That was in the New York cares? Times. I think it was either the New York Times or Time. Yeah. It was like, who cares whether your incredible athlete looks, you know, quote unquote feminine? Mm. Well, she obviously knows. She obviously feels that that's a priority for her, as in maybe she gets loads she of brand also, work and she. She also gets way more sponsorship than Serena Williams, yes. despite the fact that Serena Williams is a much better. Uh, 
Exactly. Uh, athlete than she is. Yeah, exactly. But it was like your one. What was her name? She was going out with your man. What was his name? Oh, Rory. <laughs> Rory McElroy. No, and... no, 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 no. Oh. Him. He's real sexy Spanish dude. Oh. Wait, tennis, no. tennis player. She um, was the tennis Enrique player. Enrique Iglesias and Anna Kornikova. Yes. Anna Kornikova <laughs> is not a tennis player. Anna Kornikova played a few good junior tournaments. She never won a Grand oh, Slam. Look at this. No, I'm no, not. Yeah, I'm not but saying she was it. just a ride. She was beautiful. Yeah, who got so she got, much coverage. She got so much work and she yeah, got so many, yeah. so much sponsorship. She didn't have she's to play right. tennis. Yeah, she didn't have to play tennis anymore. Yeah. I mean, are that's they still the point. together? They are, aren't they? Are. they? That's a love story for I, our time. No one talks about that. Twelve plus years or so. They're going. Well, that's strong. because she never won a tennis game. Yeah, she really was. She and was he pretty disappeared bad at after Hero with your one from Party of Five. So I'd say they're still hot, though. I'm trying. Oh my god, to, I'd say they're still so hot. I'm trying to pinpoint the moment. So I grew up playing sports, as did my brother, and now. As a woman in sport, I'm very aware of my body and I'm trying to figure out the time in my life as a child when that happened. And I think it's not just to do with sport, I think it's across the board, but I can't pinpoint when it is that women start caring about the way their body looks in comparison to when boys just don't. It just doesn't Mm. seem to happen to little boys, which is a brilliant thing. But I'm trying to figure out, like Serena writing this letter, I just don't know if it's ever going to change because I think we're partly to blame because we're the ones who talk about our bodies as well. So basically what we're doing right now could be a part of the problem. Yeah, Yeah, completely. We're obsessed with our bodies. We're obsessed with with it. But like like not just us as in we women are obsessed with our bodies, but Society as a whole is obsessed with women's bodies. Yeah, and I that's think, what I mean. Well, like when we talk about it sometimes and we say, God, like, you know, the pressure on women, what people hear is men are putting pressure on women. But that's not what we're saying. We're saying society, men and women are yeah. putting pressure on women. So it's it's women's fault as much as it is men's fault. But it's to do with like how we're portrayed, how yeah. we're, you know, even like representations of women, like the posters you see, the, you know, ads, like kids at the age of four when you go, L- you know, let's take a photo and the kid puts her hand on her hip and like does a real kind of coquettish pose. Yeah. And, you know, parents don't teach that to their children, but they pick it up. Mm. So I think it can change, but it needs to change from the ground up and from the ceiling down. And we're going to move on. We're going to talk about motherhood in a few minutes, but now it's time for our spotlight on sport. Earlier in the week, I was joined by recently retired mixed martial artist. Artist? Mixed martial arts? Artists? I think they call them... I think they are mixed martial artists. Okay. Okay. Mixed then that martial arts. It's not art. Everyone's artist. a bloody artist these days. Her name is Ashing Daly. And for anyone who isn't aware of her phenomenal career, she brought us right back to the beginning. I fought internationally. My first fight ever was in Denmark okay. against a, a local Danish girl. She has kind of an interesting backstory. She was a, a gladiator on the Danish version of Gladiators. No way. She had competed on the Danish version of the TV show Survivor. Right. She was kind of an interesting character. So it was a really tough fight for my first one. I went up several weight classes for my first fight just because there was really slim pickings yeah. in terms of opponents. So I finished my professional career fighting at the 52 kilo weight class, the straw weight weight class in the UFC and my first fight was at the 65 kilo weight class so there was obviously a a massive drop there over the years when I got to my most competitive weight class but uh, I lost the first round of the fight I was clearly losing I was getting beat up and uh, grappling jiu-jitsu submission holds that kind of thing that'd be my my speciality and just somehow in the second round she put her head into an awkward position and I managed to get hold of a guillotine chokehold and forced her to tap out and that was the start of my career but at the same time you know the first round wasn't going my way I was clearly losing the fight and I don't know whether if I lost that first fight how things would have progressed after yeah. that if I would have thought to myself oh I'm actually good at this I'll keep going you know maybe that first first loss would have knocked me but mm. fortunately I won and, and that spiraled the 
to the events and led me to where I am now. Absolutely. So obviously you did continue and let's fast forward a little bit. You went to, um, well, you took part in this reality TV series and it was the Ultimate Fighting Champion. Now, just talk me through that. So the ultimate goal of that, you were obviously incredibly established at that point. Um, it was an American TV show and it was a reality TV show. So you were thrown into a house with a bunch of other fighters and the ultimate goal was to get a contract with the UFC. Is that what it was? Yeah, pretty much so. Um, what had happened was the UFC for a long time said they would never have any women's divisions at all. Right. And then it finally in about 2013, I think it was, they bought Strike Force, which was a, a separate promotion to them. But they already had an established women's division. So they bought the contracts when okay. they bought the promotion. So they had no choice but to take on these females. So then they started off with a bantamweight division, 62 kilo, 135 pound division. And then when I went on the Ultimate Fighter, that was to start to bring in a lower weight class, a straw weight women. So the ultimate idea of this reality TV show is that 16 women would go into a house. It would eventually be whittled down to two. And then these two would compete for the inaugural straw weight title. Right. So um, it's pretty much everything that you watch is as it happens. You know, there is a little bit of editing and stuff like that, but it's very, very closed off. You've no contact with the outside world for the mm. six weeks that you're in the house. It almost works out to be seven because there's this kind of initial integration phase where they just leave you in a hotel, take your phones off you. And so you didn't have contact with your own coaches no, as well? No, no contact. So the way it works is they pick two established fighters in the UFC who are also going to compete for the title in their weight class. So in my case, it was Gilbert Melendez versus Anthony Pettis and they were going to fight for the lightweight title mm-hmm. at the end. So I was on Team Pettis. So this fighter is our coach for the season. So he's allowed to bring in his own coach and staff. So for the most part, they bring in their own coaches from home. But you have no contact with any of your friends, your family, no contact with the outside world, no internet, no phones, no books. Mm. Um, It's really, really isolating. And you're obviously in a house with women. Competitors, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's designed to provide the most tension as possible and the most drama as possible. Like lots of reality TV Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of 16 alpha females in a house and we're all competing and we're sharing spaces and it's like a dorm format, like you're sharing bunk beds and stuff with with people and and it's very, very high stress. It really is a difficult situation to be in and it doesn't always get, well, to be honest, it never really gets the best fighter. Mm. It always gets the person who's best equipped to deal with that kind of pressure cooker situation. And obviously you have to be ready to fight on short notice. So sometimes it's it's done by a draw. But the other team, you know, if they win, they get control of the game. Kind yeah. of. So they try and pick off people who are weaker. Somebody who maybe is injured, somebody who's not ready to fight, somebody who seems to be struggling with the situation. They'll pick that person yeah. strategically to compete next in the hope that they lose. And then by the end of it, you were going to get a prize if your team won all the fights and Mm. and didn't lose. And just having control of the board, being able to pick the matches because obviously you're going to try and put your strongest person against their weakest person and try and pick off people that way. So very interesting. And and looking back at it all now, you know... um, and experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd never do it again. Like, no. Nah, Sounds like my nightmare, if yeah, I'm being honest. It, it, would be, it would take a lot of money for me to get back in there. Yeah. And we definitely didn't get paid a lot of money to do it. And that was so. around 2013. So it was at that time, MMA was kind of blowing up everywhere. Conor McGregor was becoming huge. Did that 
did, uh, did it kind of annoy you a little bit? Because you, you obviously, you started before him, right? You'd started before yeah, a bunch true. of the lads that were already on the scene and it seems like you had to almost go into a situation that was completely alien in order to get on the ticket, almost. Did that, um, I mean, did it bother you or were you okay with that? Um, like, the whole industry bothers me, yeah. you know what I mean? And Does is that, that, I mean, it is, essentially, it's about kind of being a woman in a man's sport. It is, it, that's that's a lot to do with it, you know, and uh, especially with the UFC, if you look at, like, mixed martial arts is the sport and I love the sport, mm. but UFC is a brand Mm -hmm. and I don't like the brand and I don't like how they operate in a lot of ways you know in terms of pay for all the fighters in general how they look after their female fighters you know there's a lot of focus on the ones who are seen to be like the kind of American beauty type things you know blonde hair blue eyes let's pour time and energy into her let's market her let's try and build her up you know what I mean and if, if you're kind of speak for their brand in a way that they're happy with you know I've never been about that I, I've never bent on anything that I've been passionate about morally yeah. or anything like that you know in terms of like some women find it empowering to take their clothes off you know for a sports photo shoot or whatever I never found that empowering I always had in the back of my mind somewhere that there's a little girl looking up to me somewhere and I want her to know that she can be smart mm. as well as athletic and I want her to know that she doesn't have to take her clothes off to earn money or to That's a bizarre element of sport that's happened. It, it, it mm. is a bizarre element of sport but even one of the first photo shoots I ever did for one of the main promotions in the UK at the time Cage Rage uh, there had been a photo shoot for um, animal rights and it was all to do with oh, I'd rather go naked than wear four. Mm-hmm. So the photographer was like, oh, could we do something like that with MMA gloves? So you'd be naked and we'd just have you wearing MMA gloves covering your chest. And I was like 18 at the time, you know, and I was like, no, I'm just not, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. that's that's not about me. But I was glad that I had the, the force I at the time to be able to go okay right I'm 18 there's a lot of pressure on me mm. to do this that's a huge campaign as well it's global yeah I've, I've seen lots of those ones yeah. yeah I was just like whatever you want to do yourself but for me obviously now sitting here at 29 years of age I would massively have regret to do that photo yeah. shoot at 18 but this is the kind of pressure female athletes are being put under that was just on a small scale you know 10 11 years ago whereas there's things like this happening now I know there's all kind of stuff that's tastefully done like mm. Uh, the body issue the ESPN stuff like that that's a little bit different but some of it can be a little bit exploitative as well so I'm just glad I didn't go down that road Absolutely I mean in terms of the sport now itself obviously there was the McGregor and Mayweather fight there a few weeks back Um, Sonia O'Sullivan actually she wrote a really interesting article in the Irish Times about how um, I can't remember the headline now off the top of my head but it's something about the true sport can be found in Crow Park and not in Vegas and she is she's talking about that exploitative nature of sport and the money and the fans and stuff like that in terms of the theatrics do you think that it's do you think it's badly impacting on the sport or do you think that like some people some people have said it's almost become like wrestling and wrestling is fake you know so I think it's just that double edged sword because from a fan point of view I think the fans this is a, a good time for the fans because they are getting to see these big massive fights and the promotion and these mm. tours and the fans are enjoying this kind of smack talk and like the newer fans you know obviously there's the more established fans who went to watch you know myself and Connor fighting GAA halls 10 years ago yeah. you know so it, like certain fans the newer fans are definitely getting the benefit of this kind of new theatrical kind of side of things but I, I definitely think the more established fans the guys who've been supporting the sport a long time are losing out and most of all I think the fighters are losing out because it's definitely not a case of the genuine best athlete winning or getting the opportunities whoever can talk the best is getting these opportunities yeah. 
it's a double-edged sword like obviously we're getting more people watching the sport the fans are getting some great fights like exciting fights exciting build-ups the Mayweather McGregor fight was a very entertaining fight to watch was, from a yeah. fan point of view but at the same time you know genuine athletes and, and genuine competitors who don't have that kind of verbal edge aren't aren't getting the opportunities So what's next for you then Ashling? you're coaching you're training um, so what, what are you going to do now with your with your retirement uh, At the minute I, I'm working as a personal trainer in Lift Gym in, in Smithfield there so I'm having a really good time doing that I coach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu out in SBG and Swords uh, so I'm really enjoying that too and I'm just going to see where that goes for the next while I'm going to compete a little bit in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu the grappling martial art that's always been my passion yeah. I'm Ireland's first and only female Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt so that's something that I'm, I'm super proud of it took me 14 years to get that that rank so I'm going to compete a little bit in that and then part of me is is thinking about going back to, to study further you know go back to what I initially wanted to do but the fact that I coach children now in Jiu Jitsu and stuff really makes me feel like I want to go back and do something that, that makes an impact I think by the time you get to secondary school it might be a little bit too late to influence them Yeah well that's I mean that's the thing I was going to ask as well do you see a lot of young girls get involved in it now I mean we've talked about the drop off rate a lot we've written articles about it on site um, I stopped playing my sport when I was about 16 like so I'm fully aware of that I came back to it years later but I did stop so I mean what would you say to a young girl who's up and coming now who's getting into the sport but who may be a bit on the fence or is starting to go I, nobody can actually pinpoint what it is that's making young girls stop playing their sport so what would you say to them um, just find a good place to train you know and find a good coach even if you have to make a little bit of effort or a little bit of sacrifice to get that because that's half the battle if you're training with somebody who genuinely has an interest in you cares about your your well-being your future and where you're going to go with this like you're really starting off on, on a good footing where some gyms you know especially as a woman you walk in the door and it's a little bit like oh you know yeah. a girl you're, you're never going to stick around you're going to feel on the fringes don't let outside factors influencing you know sometimes girls have this idea in their head especially when they're going through puberty or that kind of awkward teenage phase where they think that being athletic is unattractive or or sweating too yeah, much yes or, yeah. it, it, it's deemed to be kind of more masculine or something like oh well you won't attract somebody if you're if you're doing sports like that you're too manly or uh, kind of like the idea of some girls who pretend to be less intelligent than they are yeah. because they're trying to impress someone yeah exactly because some guys feel threatened by intelligent women so it's similar kind of reasons just do you like these people probably aren't going to be around in five or ten years time mm. but you are the only one alone in your head at night when you go to bed and you have to be happy with the decisions that you make and the choices you make and sport is going to be so good for you all around physically it's going to be fantastic for you mentally it's going to be fantastic whatever the case may be any sport will take you different places just let it open the doors for you just stick with it everybody goes through phases where they don't like what they're doing there's some days that you get up and you just don't feel like doing it and that's fine but don't let it go too long take a week off take two weeks off if you're feeling a little bit under pressure a little bit run down or whatever but make sure you get back to it I have some fantastic small girls, you know, I take them as young as five in jiu-jitsu class and, and to watch them and see their little increases in confidence and their skills improving, it's just, it's brilliant. You know, I, I'd encourage any mother to get their child involved in any kind of sport. It doesn't have to be martial arts. Yeah. As long as you're active, I think that's a fantastic thing. I'm not, I'm not anti any particular sport or pro any particular sport, just, just moving, getting blood going getting fake and interacting with people that's a massive thing like just yeah. building confidence and, and just it just improves your life so much Ashling Daly there some woman you work with her Rosemary I do work with her what that's all want. I'm saying about <laughs> She's actually so nice. And it, she's and it, lovely. And it's really funny, like when she first came in and Eve was like, oh, you know, like Ash the Bash, because that's, that's what she's known as. Like, yeah. Ash the Bash is going to come in and do some training here. And like, I was literally like, 
oh god like what's she gonna be like you know kind of imagining she was gonna burst through the door like a Hulk in a cartoon or something yeah but she's actually really small and unassuming mm-hmm. and kind of quiet so it is that like really interesting I suppose I'm just always having to rethink my ideas of what people are like do you yeah. know what I mean to be like you can be into MMA and not be totally aggressive and enormous yeah yeah I think so too, yeah. But anyway, she's uh, she's an inspiration and it was really nice to talk to her. Uh, Joanne, you're filming a new documentary for oh, yeah. TV3 and it's completely focused on motherhood yeah. and having babies, but not in the way that you would imagine. So tell us a bit about it. So, okay, so I'm 34. Okay. Um, Should we just get our ages out there? I'm 31, I just turned 31. <laughs> I'm 32 and in February I'll be 33 just like Jesus. <gasps> Jesus. Ooh. Jesus died at 33. I know. He was mad for the weights as well. <laughs> Just like Jesus, Rosemary. Just like Jesus. He could lift a cross. He could. Uh, <laughs> Not on his own for the whole time. Squatting. I know uh, we can't talk about... This is I got we're talking about weird stuff. I got lashed for talking about... Uh, Jesus. No, I was talking about... It was actually about babies. and I was Because I, I'm writing a stand-up show about babies at the moment. And okay. um, I was saying that women traditionally... like It was saying that alcohol harms babies and I have this joke alcohol actually makes babies like that's why everyone gets pregnant and that women usually have sex in a blackout because we don't like sober sex because the eye contact is too intense and then I said I'd say the Virgin Mary was probably in a blackout it wasn't an immaculate conception and this woman came up after the gig and she was like really like your show and she goes do you know what leave Mary out of it I mean, she was nice though. Yeah, she was really nice. I like that she was because so you like, don't because you don't need Mary as if like Mary's a real yeah, yeah, yeah. woman. Do you know what I mean? Which oh no, she is. She is a real woman. Uh, anyway, sorry. So the documentary it's about babies. <laughs> you don't really think Mary was a real woman, do you? No, no. Okay, sorry, I'm just I feel ter- like we let's not, not talk about God. No, okay. let's just not. No, Serena talked about God in her letter. She did. Let's not talk about, not about God. Let's not talk about Serena anymore either. Yeah, like, grand, we've all moved, moved on. on. Um, babies. So the idea is about the documentary. What started it started as because I'm interested in babies at the moment yeah. but not in the not in the way of having one in the way of I don't think I'm going to have one and I'm wondering what that's going to look like when I'm 50 and am I making a big mistake and what are the pros and cons of motherhood yeah. and I think we're sold this motherhood bliss lie mm-hmm. actually yeah. and when you get women on their own privately they'll tell you how incredibly difficult it is mm-hmm. how very isolating it can be they can be they're so lonely and that they feel then because they're sold this idea of this blissful motherhood that they look at their mothering in comparison and think that they're failing in some way or most of my friends who've had babies recently and they, all my friends are either having babies or miniature chihuahuas Same, yeah. and the ones that had babies have all said this idea that you bond straight away with your baby is bullshit I didn't um, I found it really really hard I a lot of the time I thought what have I done yeah. and there's a whole group of of women out there who actually regret having their babies. Now, I know that's, you know, that's not what the documentary is mostly about, but it is interesting. I've been reading a lot about it and I'm wondering, is it a woman's purpose to have a child? Do women who have children look at women who don't have children and think that we're unfulfilled in some way? Yeah. Um, I think yes. I think yes. So do I. So I went on to, um, have you heard of the Whisper app? Yes. Okay, so it's this amazing platform where you can go on and you can post anonymous things. A lot of Starbucks employees do it, funnily enough. They just don't like... 
their jobs. Okay. Um, but I went on and I found a page about women kind of talk about it anonymously. So there's a few funny quotes here. So I don't want children. I think as I get older, that is holding me back in my love life. Not all women want to be moms. That's fine. I'm so glad I'm never having kids. I'll keep my bank account big, my body tiny, and my future wide open, please. A little bit more controversial. That sounds a bit like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My body tiny. I know, yeah. Yes. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> yes, I'm a woman in my 30s. No. I still don't want kids yes I'm absolutely positive about this and no I won't change my mind someday nothing is missing that's what I think is a really uh, that's a good point it's it's almost as if if you're a woman in your 30s is something missing if you don't have children I think I do want kids do you want kids? No, so... 100% flat out. Okay, so I did a YouTube video a couple of years ago, maybe like two years ago, maybe even a year ago, about not wanting kids. Because every time you say you don't want kids, people go, oh, you'll change your mind someday. And I'm like, well, my eggs aren't getting any younger. And actually, I found out I don't have a lot of them. So I probably am not going to... Did you find that out? Yeah, so uh, I had a fertility test for a piece on TV that I didn't end up doing because I actually got really upset about it. Because I always thought that, like, I wasn't going to have kids, but it's my choice. And then I I suddenly found out that actually I have the eggs of, like, a 45-year-old. And I was suddenly going, oh, my God, this is so unfair. And I was kind of upset about it. But uh, I know, like, I don't think I want to have kids. But then in the last couple of months, I think like that, I've started to kind of worry or wonder what does your life look like if you don't have kids? And also if all, you know, nearly all of my friends have started to have kids or are planning on having kids. Like my sister has three kids. My, you know, like all my cousins around the same age are having kids. So it's kind of like, who do you hang out with? Because they've already started doing the kind of parents clubs where they'd be like, oh, I'm spending Saturday in like the something factory the fun factory Dra- whatever yeah those things with the other people who have kids yeah. and you're like okay well I definitely don't want to do that so like my friend said to me the other day have you ever been to this place and I was like why would, would I, I like go? unless I have serious problems in my life why would I be in that place with all those children like what would I be doing there I think it's all very well and good like talking about this but at the same time I always think that whenever I say to someone because I don't know if I'm going to have kids I, I don't see it as being something that I definitely have to do but at the same time no matter what when you're talking to someone I feel like they don't believe you women get very annoyed I've spoken to women about this when people say you'll change your mind because they see it as kind of patronising or condescending Mm. but I don't I'm not offended by that because the reality is that there's no smoke without fire and there are so many cases where women did say they didn't want kids and they succumbed in the end and they had children so that's not an unusual thing to say I don't take offence to that No but you know why it irritates me that if you say to somebody like if you're a teenager and you're like I really don't like coffee Nobody says to you, oh, you'll change your mind, even though you will. Oh, you will change your mind. Do you know what I mean? Or like, like, I used to hate Brussels sprouts and I changed my mind. And we're allowed to change our mind, but it seems like once you say, I don't want to have kids, people are like, well, when you change your mind, I'm going to say, I told you so. Yeah. Why? Because I think it's so, I think it's quite common that certainly, I mean, do you know that at 34 it's a geriatric pregnancy if you get yeah. pregnant that oh, word yeah. is so awful geriatric pregnancy so my womb is now like going grey <laughs> do you know what I mean I thought it was hip and young and it's not because no. apparently the ideal age to have kids is like 11 or something right oh no but so now it's a geriatric pregnancy but the more time you have to think about it like so now I'm a bit older so I'm like what are the benefits what are the what are the sacrifices that need mm. to happen? Am I responsible enough? Whereas if you get pregnant when you're young, you don't have time to really overthink these things. Yeah, and no. I think I'll end up overthinking my way into not having them. Yeah, Whereas, I actually think, yeah, like the longer it goes on, the more you're like, oh, will I, won't I? And yeah. then you're like, you can't really think of a good enough reason because kind you're of wanting to have kids 
so that you don't regret not having kids is a crap reason mm-hmm. and that's like but as I get older the only reason that I'm like oh maybe I'll regret it but, but then that's not a good enough reason but what's a good enough reason like it's like when people say teachers go into like, I really I just oh you feel that but mother that's not, but that's not the case no I know like the, I think maternal instinct is a lie instinct implies that you're just born with it and if that was the case then we'd all be sitting here we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be sitting here with teenagers. Exactly. Teenagers. So it's not a maternal, it's not an instinct, it's a learned behaviour. And all my friends, if I'm like, why are you having a baby? One of them is like, well, I'm bored of getting locked at the weekends. Why are you having a baby? I want someone to look after me when I'm older. Uh-huh. So like having kids is like this massive pay it forward scheme where it's like, I wipe your ass, you wipe mine when I'm older. These are the reasons people are having kids. No one has said to me, oh, because I've always had a heart shaped or a child shaped hole in my heart. No one has said that to me. And I'm sure that is, my child. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. Like some women were, they came out of the womb wanting babies. Yeah. Yeah. But I think women at our age are making decisions. Uh, and Another friend of mine is saying, look, I'm going to have a baby next year. I don't know if I want a baby, but I don't know if I don't want a baby. <laughs> so, so it's all this kind of grey, yeah. let's just do it. So then the kind of, there, will, there won't be regret. But then yeah. I think, is it not better to regret not having a child than to have a child and regret it? Because once you have a child, you can't put it back. Well, no, that's true. And also, as my father mentions to me on numerous occasions, there's one element, Neve, that you're missing about this whole kid conversation and that's a man. So I couldn't have a kid now, even if I wanted one in terms of, no, 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 I could. I know I could. (laughs) But there's the whole other question of like the state of your relationship and what you're bringing a child into and stuff. So in, say, for example, if I'm going to be geriatric like you, Joanne. (laughs) Thank you, Neve. (laughs) Thank you. We're Something all going to be geriatric to. like Joanne yeah. one day. So yeah. in like <laughs> in like three to four years, I'll be geriatric, and I think that at that point, I might look at like other options. And there are places that you can go to get that stuff. Yeah. Coppers on a Saturday or a clinic or whatever. I know you somebody do. who actually did that. So just went and had a baby on their own. Who got knocked no, up no. by accident. Oh, went to Coppers and yes. got knocked. Oh. Like specifically Coppers. I think that. I think that's cruel. I, I do. Think that's really bizarre. Wait a second. Like, wait a second. Wait a second. She went. She went out for a night out specifically. I think like several nights out specifically to get pregnant. To get pregnant. On one night stands. Yes, yeah, yeah. And she didn't tell the dad. No. And she had the baby. Yeah. Wow. And I is mean, he involved? Baby. No. Good just no. <sighs> Sorry. Okay, yeah. that's different. What yeah. I think is very cruel, the more I read about it in like whatever about us getting pregnant and making a decision to go through with it or not or whatever, for if a man is adamant that he doesn't want kids and then to be tricked into it. I think is so cruel. I'm well, in shock by that. That's I would also why. like to say, like, you don't trick him into not wearing a condom. No, but you can trick a man. That they say, am I, I'm making them sound stupid. No. You can't say you're on the pill. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not FBI like, agents. No, and I mean, I think it's very wrong to lie to somebody and say that you're not going to get pregnant and then get pregnant. Yeah. However, and then I put also them on think, them. but yes, ask them to help yes. you raise it. But I also think we all have responsibility for ourselves. So if you do not want to have a baby, wrap it up. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know I mean? um, like, take responsibility for your end. Slightly yeah. funny uh, segue story. My friend, when she was younger, she was having an argument with her parents, and she knew where her father kept the condoms. So she went Where and is she. This story going? <laughs> she poked went. Holes in. She poked holes in the condoms of her parents because she was so annoyed with them because they grounded her on like a Friday or something. And did they? And did anything happen? She then? has a younger sister, but I don't know if it's. To do oh come with on! <laughs> they go to the condom jar and they're all hanging out of the wrappers with holes in them. No, I think you, you cop just on. poke a needle through the wrapper, you idiot. Yeah, you. Don't. Oh sorry. <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> the condom I'm not sinister enough to know how that works. <laughs> you don't even need to unwrap it. You just put the needle all the way through. Oh, that's so I'm, dark. Disclaimer, I've never done that. <laughs> you know a lot that's about so it. That's so dark. I know. Um, so yeah, but anyway, I don't actually know and obviously I'm not going to name names on that one. But, so the documentary is exploring all of these factors. I mean, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, and it's meeting, so there's a woman... Um, in the UK Holly was her name and she said from a very young age she didn't want kids and she wanted to be sterilised but no doctor would agree to sterilise her because they all said you'll change your mind Mm -hmm. and she was on this morning in the UK with um, Holly and Philip my two faves and she said she didn't want kids and she was vilified I saw that yeah how old a woman was she she was in her early 20s yeah like she is young but like listen if you know you know do you know what I mean my problem is that I I'm I think I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't I'm not 100% and I don't want to regret I I'm terrified that I'll regret yeah. either decision. What about the what about the partner issue? Is that something that you're thinking about or are you thinking more about the child? Like I mean Rosemary, you've been with your boyfriend for a long time. How many like, like 4 years? 4 years. And so yeah. have you talked about it with him? Does he yeah. want kids? Does his now, does his decision come into it at all? Yeah, like like 100%. I mean, I think say if he turned around and was like, "You know what? I really really want to have kids." Yeah. And I'm still going, I don't really... Like, I think he would kind of weigh up and go, well, look, my relationship's really important to me. I, I don't really think that many people regret having kids. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like once you see, like, babies are nice. Do you know what I mean? I think you're like, this is lovely. They're so cute. I think if he really, really wanted to have a child and we, you know, definitely saw a future together, I think I probably would, re- you know, think carefully about it and go, well, maybe it would be, you know what I mean? If it's something that's really important to you, it's not that I'm totally anti it. Yeah. I've just never felt a strong drive. So yeah. I might kind of go, I've never well, felt a strong drive. I don't think... To, have any of us ever felt a strong this, drive? This is what I'm. This is what I'm kind of fascinated by at the moment. Is this idea of this maternal instinct? The and it's Does a the drive myth. It's a lot. It's but a if, myth. I, if I saw a kid fall down outside, like I'd go and see if if the kid was all right. But does, does that mean I'm going to have babies one day? Probably not. It just means no, it just that means I'm, you're not a sociopath. Exactly. I, think I kind of laughed. Does that mean a sociopath? Yes. No. Like, I mean, to be you'd fair, laugh at a child falling in the park. No, Do not I'm, like hurting the Babies falling like, is really funny. Babies falling is really funny. I saw funny. a child fall over one day and he was carrying two slushies, and that was like one of the most <laughs> hilarious things that I've is ever seen. Funny. Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. And that isn't. I'm not. But no, if you yeah. saw a kid crying or something, you would go and see if they're all you're right. You're not going to do that to kids that aren't yours, are you not? <laughs> if you see a kid crying in the street, like, and they're under ten, you're not supposed to go over and go, "Hello, little child." Oh my God! If that's the society we live in now, we have to let them leave them on the road and get run over by a truck in case it looks in appropriate that we go over and talk to them. But I really think you shouldn't go over with that voice. Hello, little <laughs> child. Rosemary, you're saying it's so creepy. My kid voice, they love that. <laughs> Hello. Um, no, I do think it's interesting though that you think this whole maternal instinct is a myth because I, I actually agree with that. I think I think it's I think it's all learnt behaviour mm-hmm. and I think and I also think that this kind of because you're sold that idea about it all being so blissful that a lot of postnatal depression is born out of that isolation that you feel yeah. because no one tells you yeah. to expect that and you're saying why can't I bond with my child and in the beginning you're basically just a milk factory um, with Ugh. getting very little in return like there's no emotional feedback from the kid the, kid, the baby you know you're yeah, just yeah, on yeah, and yeah. especially if eats you are breastfeeding and 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 yeah, I've exactly. also heard that everybody disappears straight after you have a baby and it's because people are like do you know they have to just be with their baby and stuff whereby a few yeah. of my friends who've had kids are like everybody sent loads of cards and flowers and balloons yeah. And then they all 
pissed off and I didn't yeah. see anybody for two years. Nobody I'm like, well, that's because I don't want to hang out with you while you've got this screaming yeah. lump. Yeah. When the kid is two and has a personality, I want to hang out with the kid. But yeah. like, they're like, they felt so isolated and so yeah. alone. Yeah. So I did. I, I felt bad for them on that. But just to wrap up this conversation, are any of us pregnant in this room right now? I don't believe I am. No. no. I physically couldn't be. Brilliant. Yeah. So. <laughs> So we're all winning. Um, the last thing I want to do, and this is just out of sheer nosiness on my part, it's got nothing to do with anything. I just thought it'd be funny to hear what the last WhatsApp you got. So go on, Rosemary. Oh. Will, I, will I go first? <laughs> yeah, go so, on. So this was from my mom. Okay. Oh, you don't have to say who it's from. Too late. Oh, it's too late. Okay, go on. This is from my mom who kill me. Good to see you both. Yes, she loves an abbreviation. Ooh. If your bank details end 9-5, I have them. Beautiful day. <laughs> Such a mom message. That is such a I'm mom I'm very message. mature. In our like, 30s and we're still swapping bank details with our I parents. Know, I know, I'm still like, ma'am, listen, I need money for therapy this week, so <laughs> if you could just put it in my bank account, okay, that'd be great. Before I get Joanne's, my one comes in um, from my friend. If I can get through today, I can do anything. That's a Monday morning. That's a nice inspirational message. No, she is rancidly hungover. Um, like she, she's just, she's on the periphery. She's already eaten three jambons today. Like, she's gone, so. Jambons are not the way. It's bananas. It's potassium you need. Ooh, so health tips. My message is from my friend, Anya. Ooh. And it said, you need this t-shirt. And it's a picture of a t-shirt that says, do you know where the five lamps are? <laughs> Do you? No, that's why I need the t-shirt. You don't know where the five lamps are. <laughs> well, it's this joke because my boyfriend's from the north side and he's mad into the five lamps. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's this whole kind of, I didn't know. I didn't know what they were. Is it in Fairview? Wait. I, I actually know. have Fair- no clue. Oh, really? I know where the L triangle is. Yeah, no, I don't know. We sound ridiculous now. Let's just stop. Let's wrap it up. So that's it for our first episode. Thanks to Rosemary McCabe and Joanne McNally for joining me on the panel. Big thanks to our Athlete of the Week, Ashling Daly. Shane Dempsey was on sound. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll chat to you next week. Oh, can week. I say something? Oh, we've got a plug. Yeah, uh, can I plug something, please? Of course. Um, so my show... That was a perfect outro. Yeah, it was. So I've just... I've just so perfect. Up Sorry. Um, geriatric so mother my- again. <laughs> It's your geriatric greying womb. I know, my eggs have been carried around in a stair lift inside me. <laughs> um, so my, my I have a uh, comedy dark theatre show called Bite Me, which is a comedy show about eating disorders, which is starting an Irish tour um, like next week or yeah. something. So tickets are on Ticketmaster. I'm going to like Cork and uh, the Other North places. and Galway and the Dublin. Five lamps. And the Five Lamps. So Bite Me, so go and get tickets for that. Rosemary, do you have anything to plug while we're at it? Well, I'm now doing personal training out of Lift Training Studios in Smithfield in Dublin 7. If you'd like to inquire about personal training or classes, please email info at lifttrainingstudios.ie. It kind of sounds like your kid voice. <laughs> you should do GPS voiceovers. I should do voiceovers. I've thought about, about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll chat to you next week.